You are listening to Money, Lies, and Family Ties, a multi-pronged approach to injustice in Ontario family law and mediation. My name is Karen Turkington. In the beginning, I met him in the spring of 1993 when he and his wife purchased a tiny pasta shop in the brightly sky-lit atrium where I waitressed in a cafe. The atrium, with its high ceiling filled with natural light, offered a unique mix of specialty shops, of Canadian-made pottery, glass, and various other items of art. Included in the mix was a gourmet food shop, a vintage clothing store, and an old English pub. His wife was friendly and outgoing, and was the first of them to introduce herself to me. Her sense of humor was immediately apparent and was reflected in the laughter that echoed through the bright open space. She had a flamboyant openness which began to endear her to many of the neighboring business owners. As it turned out, though, his wife didn't work in the pasta shop or spend much time there as she cared for their three-year-old son. Occasionally she came by with a piece of artwork or hand-blown glass or pottery to put her decorative stamp on the little shop. He soon told me that his mother had recently died from breast cancer just a few months before he and his wife purchased the shop. When I offered my condolences, he said, she had been a wonderful mother and we were very close. My heart was filled with compassion for him and a sense of loss for me, having missed out on a mother of my own whom I could have felt that way about, someone I could imagine grieving upon her death and then missing thereafter reliving loving memories that I could return to throughout the rest of my life. If his mother had been so loving and nurturing, he must be that way too. After 13 years of marriage, his wife was an integral member of their family, and she had lost a woman who had been a real mother to her too. The death had been hard on both of them. As they settled in as the new owners of the pasta shop, he began to make daily visits to the cafe where I worked to purchase espresso. And I occasionally stopped by the pasta shop to purchase fresh pasta and sauce. While he and his wife were beginning a new chapter of their lives as business owners, I was looking forward to the end of my two-year stint waitressing full-time under the highly stressed German woman who owned the cafe. She made gleefully underhanded comments about my Northern Irish origins and smiled unapologetically while she reminded me of the commonness of the Irish and their lack of cultural awareness. These moments left me in silence, as anything I may have offered up in defense would have merely confirmed my own ignorance, thereby validating her observation. I didn't want to give her any more fodder than she already had. My strong work ethic was my only safeguard. Proving myself by committing under sometimes disagreeable conditions was how I compensated for my deficiencies in other areas. As her most dependable employee, I had become indispensable to her, and this became a curse. The waitressing job was serving its purpose while I finished my undergraduate thesis at the University of Waterloo. In the meantime, I needed to finish my degree and continue volunteering for Canadian Crossroads International my first travel adventure would be to India. He had hired me to help in the pasta shop in addition to my job at the cafe. The extra money would be helpful for my upcoming trip, so I served food and cleaned the counters 
We talked while we worked and discovered that we both shared an interest in music, healthy food, and the French language. He had a degree in French and played classical guitar. I had been singing for as long as I could remember, had a passion for healthy food, and I had recently completed a six-week French immersion program in Quebec City. On one occasion, I dropped by the pasta shop with a bag of laundry that I had brought to the cafe with me earlier in the day. My roommate and I were meeting to do our laundry together after my shift. Who is this? I asked as I looked at the little boy sitting alone at one of the tables. This is my son, Edward. He was a quiet and gentle little blonde-haired boy with an unusually beautiful face and big brown eyes. Hello, I said. Are you visiting your daddy at work? I set the bag of laundry on the floor. The child turned his eyes away shyly and picked up the last piece of golden wheat-free almond muffin from the plate in front of him. It must be difficult to serve customers with your son here, I said. Yes, he responded awkwardly. Will you sit with him while I serve the next customer? I'll bring a bowl of raspberry sorbet for you to share. Sure, I said, as the little three-year-old climbed up onto my knee. He seemed to care a lot about his little boy. Why did you bring your son to work? I asked. I'm leaving my wife, he said, and I want my son to be with me. Oh, I felt so sorry for his little boy. Soon thereafter, he approached me one day in the atrium and said, I've been watching you for a month now, and I know that I love you. Pardon? What did you say? Aren't you married, and don't you have a child? Yes, but my wife is abusive, he replied. Well, she seems nice, though. I've met her. Since my mother's death six months ago, I realize how short life is, and I don't want to stay married to my wife. Then he added, I've already told my friend about you, and he said I couldn't possibly love someone I didn't know. But I'm going to India in September for four months to work with women at an ashram. They grow organic food there. I've been volunteering for an entire year to raise the airfare. It's the next step in my life plan. My thesis is almost finished, and I graduate in June. And when I come back, I'm going to apply to McMaster Medical School and become a doctor. I've been working hard for this. Think about your son. I'm not looking for a man. Despite my own life's plan being close enough to touch, I became entangled in his unhappiness and grief and his desire to escape his own life. Within a couple of weeks, he attempted to move into the apartment I shared. When my roommate saw him lugging the giant television set up the stairs, she told us both to leave. She could see that this wasn't going to turn out well, and she was right. 